Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 24 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam. I would like to thank all of you for sending in your questions and your participation and your kind feedback. Thank you so much. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. And with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is it comes to us actually from one of our listeners. She asked a question regarding Ramadan and she wanted to know what is, you know, just to talk about Ramadan and, and, and you know, to mention the significance of Ramadan and what a Muslim should do and what they shouldn't do in Ramadan and all these things. Again, Sajla uh, is uh, our listener. Thank you so much for listening and reaching out. And inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, give me uh, the knowledge and uh, the right way of communicating to uh, explain today's topic. Um, so yeah, Ramadan, a lot of people know what Ramadan is. A lot of non-Muslim, actually, non-Muslims know what Ramadan is. Um, uh, you know, you can ask, many people do know what Ramadan is, right? And uh, they're not even Muslim. They know that, you know, Muslims fast in, in, in that month. And uh, uh, actually, that begs a question. And uh, if you really don't know what Ramadan really means, you'll be one of those who ask that question, which is, why do you love that month, talking to the Muslims, so much when you technically suffer in it? You abstain from eating and drinking and, you know, having uh, uh, sexual intercourse with your spouse. You can even do that, you know, throughout the day until, you know, sunset. You can do halal stuff. Let's be clear. Eating, drinking, uh, being with your spouse physically it's halal. It's all halal stuff, right? Islam tells us this is, you know, these are all halal stuff. You could do it whenever you want. But in Ramadan, we abstain from these halal things, you know, f- you know, throughout, you know, like the, the day, like from, you know, uh, the dawn up until sunset. So all this time, you know, every single day for 30 days, you know, sometimes 29 depends on the month. You know, if it's complete or incomplete, you don't do any of these things until sunset. And if you do, you are sinful. It's a major sin to break your fast on purpose. We'll talk about that uh, later on uh, in today's episode. But for now, when you do these things, when you eat or drink on purpose without a valid reason, or you you have, uh, you know, uh, you get intimate with your spouse, again, I mean, there's no reason for that, that that could be valid during Ramadan, right? So when you do these things, even though they are on a normal day, halal stuff, you are sinning and it's a major sin that you're committing. So why Muslims are so happy about such a month? Why? You know? It doesn't make sense, right? For a lot of people who don't know the significance of Ramadan, that it doesn't make sense. So let me tell you, number one, the first thing that, what is Ramadan exactly? What is that month of Ramadan, you know? Well, Ramadan is the month where Allah, number one, it's the most blessed 
month of the year in the sight of Allah. Again, it is the most blessed month of the year in the sight of Allah. Hence, it is the most beloved and blessed month for Muslims as well. Right? What Allah loves, Muslims automatically love. And that's not the only reason. So that's the first reason. Allah calls it the best month of the year. Also in Ramadan, the Quran was revealed to the Prophet So our Prophet became a Prophet in Ramadan. Now, before Islam, before he became a Prophet, Prophet Muhammad wasallam, there was no Ramadan in terms of fasting, but the month existed. By the way, these months were there from the time of Abraham, Prophet Ibrahim salam, peace be upon him. Just to let you know, these months, the, 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 the Ramadan, you know, the Hijjah, the Qadah, all these Arabic months were not created by Muslims. They're not Islamic. They, well, they're technically Islamic because they come from Abraham. And then the Arabs adopted these 12 months, right? And here's the interesting part. Even though many years, thousands of years after Prophet Ibrahim, Arabs became pagans, right? Before Islam. They still adopted the months. This Ramadan was there, but were they fasting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And all no, none of that was happening. But the months was there, you know. So the Quran was revealed in Ramadan, in the month of Ramadan. You know, in, actually specifically in a night called the night of Qadr. The night that the Quran was revealed is called the night of Qadr. It's a night in Ramadan, we'll talk about that in detail, but is it, it, just to, to, to give you uh, an idea what that night is, it is the most blessed night of the year. That you must understand. So that's the second thing. Our pro- Islam began in Ramadan. The Quran was revealed in Ramadan, right? So that's why it's significant on that level. Now let's talk about why is it also beloved to Muslims on a personal level. You know, on an individual level. Now we know that Allah loves the month. That's in, more than enough for us. To know that this is a blessed month. Our Prophet ﷺ became a prophet. The Quran was first revealed on that month. That is such an incredible event that we thank Allah for. That we became Muslims on that night. Right? It, this is the birth of Islam. Happened on that night. The night of Qadr in Ramadan. Again, that's more than enough reason for us to fall in love with that month. But here's the thing. All these things are, again, these are the most important reasons, but that's not it. There's more to it. When you commit a good deed, Allah multiplies it by many. So usually on a normal day outside of Ramadan, when you commit a good deed, Allah gives you 10 rewards as if you committed 10 good deeds. But when you commit a sin, Allah gives you one bad reward, right? That's out of Allah's ultimate generosity and mercy. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, those people that their tens were less than their ones are technically doomed. Think about it. Every time you make a one good deed, 
Allah gives you 10 rewards. And every time you commit one sin, Allah gives you one bad deed. So when your ones beat your tens, that means you're a horrible human being. You are a horrible human being. But that's beside the point. I just wanted to. So every good deed, you get 10 points, let's say. 10 rewards. In Ramadan, they could be up to 70 up to a hundred rewards. Allah multiplies it by so many more. So the value of the good deeds increases in Ramadan. It increases in Ramadan. So every time you pray normally, you for every prayer, you usually get 10 rewards for it. Guess what? In Ramadan, you might get 70, you might get a hundred for it. So any little thing you do in Ramadan gets an insane amount of rewards unlike any other day. Not just that. It gets better. It gets better. The act of fasting itself and true fasting, sincere fasting, and we'll talk about what is exactly the true and the correct way of fasting. But the act of the correct way of fasting, when you fast the right way, the rewards are more than 700 rewards for every day you fast. How is that? Let's explain the hadith by the Prophet ﷺ that basically is said by Allah to the Prophet ﷺ. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كُلُّ عَمَلِ بْنِ آدَمُ يُضَعَفُ الْحَسَنَةِ We said that, you know, one reward equals 10. On a normal day, could go up to 700 from 10 to 700, depending on we don't know what, what which is which, what kind of deed will get you up to the 700, right? But it could get up to 700 from 10 to 700, depending on sincerity and the actual act uh, of you know, uh, of good deeds. And then Allah says. Allah says, except now after a lot after it's mentioned that seven hundred deeds, your 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 rewards on a normal day could go up to seven hundred. Again, depends on we don't know, we don't have a, a specific you know guide for what kind of deeds, but it could go up to seven hundred depending on your situations and all these things. And then Allah said, except for fasting. Fasting is so special that it's even better than 700. Can you imagine that? The right fasting, of course. And Allah says, the, ch the child of Adam, the son or the daughter of Adam, they abstain from eating and drinking and having halal uh, uh, physical intercourse with their spouse for my sake. Because you want to please Allah in Ramadan, right? You're fulfilling Allah's commands. When you abstain from the halal stuff, Allah will reward you more than 700. And here's the interesting part about this hadith. Allah never tells us what is the actual reward of fasting. It's that special. All Allah told us is like, you know what? On a normal basis, on a regular day, I give you 10 deeds, 10 rewards for one good deed you do up to 700. That's what Allah is saying. Then, 
Fasting is a different story. This is basically Allah telling you fasting is way better than even seven, the, the max, which is 700 uh, rewards. Fasting is special. It's on another level. It's another thing. Allah saying, this is my thing. You're doing it for my sake and I will reward the person who fasts in my own way. Incredible. This is fasting. This is fasting. So, that's why it's incredibly special. You cannot argue. Imagine this is the month where you collect an insane amount of rewards for something that you're normally just fasting, you know, not drinking and, and eating and being with your spouse for just a couple of hours throughout the day until sunset. If you do this for 30 days, my dear brothers and sisters, yeah, you get a, lo a lot of rewards. You get a lot of rewards. You know, and we need rewards. I promise you that. We're not perfect. We're not even close. And I'm talking about those who pray five times a day, those who do everything right. We still need those rewards because the minor sins, we do a lot of minor sins without even feeling it. That's the problem. That's why it's called minor sins. And when minor sins pile up, that's another problem. And here is the interesting part. Look, I'm going to keep giving you, inshallah, you know, uh, insane amount of points for you to understand how beautiful the month of Ramadan is. Regarding the minor sins, the Prophet ﷺ said in an authentic hadith, من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه. If you fast the entire month of Ramadan, the Prophet ﷺ said, your past minor sins are forgiven. Now let's say you slipped a couple days. Now you broke that rule because you have to fast the entire month in a very sincere way, not by eating or drinking. By like I said, fasting is way more than eating and drinking. We'll get to that in a second. But like, you know, doing stuff that you shouldn't do as a, you know, person who was fasting. So you didn't get the full reward of fasting. Okay. You missed out on that one. No problem. Guess what? If you pray tarawih, and we'll, I'll, I'll tell you what is tarawih exactly. If you pray tarawih, the prayer that you uh, pray after the night prayer, you know, the one that uh, a lot of Muslims pray in the masjid, in the mosque. If you pray that on the night of Qadr, on that specific night that the Quran was revealed, that blessed night, the most blessed night of the entire year. If you pray tarawih on that night, your entire minor sins are forgiving by Allah. Man qama. The Prophet said that in an authentic hadith. This is like a sale. You know? This is like, and I say that with the best, you know, the best way possible. This is like a sale. This month is a sale for Muslims. Get as much as you can from good deeds because there's a huge sale on rewards. That's why on an individual level for those who care about their religion, for those who care about their deeds, this is the most incredible event in the entire year. Now, 
let's talk about how do we get these rewards? How do we fast the right way to get these rewards? Number one, again, you abstain from eating, drinking, being physical with your spouse. That's the physical stuff. And committing sins. Now, we're talking about sins that you are aware of, right? So, for example, you don't lie. You do not curse. You do not get angry. Because getting angry is actually sinful when you can't, you know, when you don't control your anger, when you don't even try to control your anger. You know, don't backbite. Don't do any sin that you know of or you know that you do. That's the whole reason why we fast to prepare yourself. Let me tell you, Ramadan for us is like a training camp. It's like a training camp for 30 days. You train yourself to be the best version of yourself. Again, you train yourself to be the best version of yourself. Beside eating, not eating and drinking, you also don't curse. If you usually curse, you stop now. That's why Ramadan is special, right? You stop now. That's why you want to get the rewards. Because if you just no, don't eat and don't, and a lot, unfortunately, a lot of Muslims do that. Not the majority, alhamdulillah. But a lot of Muslims think that Ramadan is just fasting from eating, drinking, and having sexual intercourse. And that's it. No, that's not the case. You're not going to get those special rewards when you're not, just not eating and drinking. Because what you do is when you just think that Ramadan is like that and you do everything else, like you curse, you lie, you cheat, you do all these things in Ramadan, you know what's the problem? You just prevented yourself from eating and drinking for no reason. You're not getting any rewards. So why did you do that to yourself? You basically starved yourself, made yourself thirsty for no reason. You're not getting rewards. Eating and drinking is a must, but to complete the rewards of fasting, you have to do all the good deeds, stay away from bad deeds. That is the essence of fasting. Let me give you one more uh, blessing that is actually very, very incredibly important. I'm sorry I forgot to say that in the beginning. Another huge thing about Ramadan is that at every single night of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Picks a group of worshippers, picks a group of believers, and declares them that they won't go to hellfire. That happens every night. So imagine, every single night, Allah picks a specific group of Muslims. Again, it's not random. Allah knows that these people are trying so hard in Ramadan. You know, you could be one of them. I could be one of them. You know, fast the right way and seek Allah's forgiveness. In that month Seek Allah's rewards in that month And you might be one Because we don't know who Allah picks What we know is Allah picks certain amount of people We we don't even know the number of people right? But we know that Allah picks a group of people Every single night of Ramadan And Allah basically says That these individuals These believers Will not enter hellfire Come on (laughs) How beautiful is that? Now, some might say, oh, well, what of those people, you know, commit major sins and they t- 
turn out to be bad and horrible people, evil people later on after, well, you're talking about Allah here. When Allah selects someone, Allah knows that they are sincere and Allah knows their future. Allah knows that they will try. It's not like you can fool Allah. No one can fool Allah. Not a single entity in this existence can fool Allah. Allah knows everything. So don't worry about that part. Don't worry that some uh, you know, evil person will be randomly selected. That selection is not random, by the way. That selection is based on how much you try in Ramadan and how much you try after. And Allah knows the future. Allah knows that that person will try their best to go into paradise and never come near hellfire. So let us, inshallah, be of that group by doing what I just told you to do. Which is, when you fast Ramadan, you have to be sincere. Do it for the sake of Allah, number one. Number two, abstain from sins. The stuff that you usually do on a normal basis, stop them in Ramadan. And that, let me go back to the training camp uh, expression or let me go to the training camp uh, example because when you train yourself for 30 days, you leave Ramadan a better person. And then throughout the rest of the year, uh, because we're human beings, right? We get affected by uh, you know, society and people around us a lot. That, that, that is a true fact. So when you start getting back to your sins and the stuff that you do on a normal basis, Ramadan comes again next year. And then you train yourself. And then it keeps on going. It's a loop. You're protecting yourself from yourself. You're training yourself. Now, another thing that happens in Ramadan that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shackles and imprisons the worst type of shayateen, the worst type of devils. The worst of the devils, the worst of you know Satan's followers are shackled those who, you know, have a big impact. Those who knows how... Because, you know, shayateen, jinn are actually... There's a lot of categories. They're, they are uh, divided into ranks. And, and, and we'll talk about, inshallah, when we talk about the jinn, we'll talk about, you know, their ranks and all these things. But for now, Allah prevents them from interfering and trying to whisper to the believer who's sincerely fasting in Ramadan. Now, all of them, now all the devils, there are still devils. Uh, that's why you can explain a lot of sins happen in Ramadan, right? Some believers do sins. Non-believers do sins as well. You know, disbelievers do sins. Like, the, but the sins are very minimized. You have to be a very, very horrible human being to commit a major sin or to commit like a very obvious sin in Ramadan. Because that means a very low rank devil was able to affect your mind, was able to whisper to you. That's a problem. But the big, the big guys, you know, the, da- the most dangerous ones, the ones that know how to manipulate our minds, Allah shackles them for 30 days. So now, and this is very interesting, because they, they know every, every year, they know that, you know, in Ramadan they get shackled. It's, it became a routine because they know that they will be imprisoned and locked up in Ramadan. They increase their activity before Ramadan and after Ramadan. They do, they increase their activity And that's why, and I've seen it with my own eyes People leave Ramadan and they do the worst, most horrible things And they'll be like, oh Ramadan is over Yeah, I can do whatever I want You know, I can start dating, I can be, you know, do this I can, you know, watch haram stuff I can do, you know, smoke weed And I can do, people do that How ironic that we're supposed to train ourselves 
to be able to last an entire year getting used to not sinning. But some people who are weak-minded, as soon as Ramadan is over, woo, let's do whatever. And that's a problem. That shows you that these are weak minds. Alhamdulillah, not the majority. Alhamdulillah, but still they exist. Before Ramadan, same thing. Some people would say, hey man, Ramadan is coming. You want to just do, you know, some cool stuff? You want to go wild? Ramadan is coming and we won't be able to do a lot of stuff. So let's do it right now, brother. Let's do it right now. Again, weak minds. Because again, the, the shayateen, the devils, they increase their activities before and after. They're trying to make up for that month. But a true believer now, a true believer who trained themselves in the month of Ramadan will know how to be disciplined after Ramadan. They won't, be get, they won't get affected like everybody else. You trained yourself for 30 days not to curse. And you were sincere. You were doing it for the sake of Allah and to be a better person. Don't tell me that as soon as Ramadan is over, you're going to start cursing for no, for no reason. That is not logical at all. It does not make any sense. You were lying all the time before Ramadan and you stopped lying for 30 days out of sincerity. When Ramadan is over, you're not going to just start lying you know, left and right. Not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. You train yourself to be the best version of yourself, like I said. You know, also as an encouragement from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah opens all eight gates of Jannah, of heaven. All the eight gates of heaven are open. Now, for those of you who didn't know, heaven, paradise, has eight gates. Paradise has eight gates. Hellfire has seven gates. Now, why the numbering? This is for wisdom that Allah only knows. We don't know why it's eight uh, for paradise. We don't know why it's seven for hellfire. Same thing as why five daily prayers and not six or four. The numbers really don't matter. It's a wisdom that Allah only knows, right? All eight gates of paradise are opened in Ramadan and all gates of hellfire are closed. And this is as an encouragement. You know, there's symbolism here for the believer that, hey, the gates of paradise are open. Get as much rewards as you can to enter paradise and stay away from sins to not enter hellfires because now it's the gates are closed. So again, there's a great symbolism here, you know, you know, how can you not love that? Such a beautiful month, you know? So Muslims, now let me tell you the, the, the process of it. We stop eating and drinking and again, being physical with our spouses uh, uh, right at Fajr prayer. When the Adhan of Fajr takes place, when it happens, you stop. And then you don't touch food, drinks, and don't commit any sins, whatever, until sunset. When sunsets, when Maghrib time comes, you start eating, drinking, and you know, do whatever you want. Not sinning again. Sinning. For those of you, you're not supposed to abstain from sinning throughout the day, but then after, you know, iftar, iftar means breaking your fast, right? So after, you know, you break your fast at Maghrib time, you can, oh, let me just sin and lie and cheat. No, it doesn't work. Sinning, you cannot. There's no time limit for sinning. Sinning, you cannot do it in Ramadan. You're not supposed to do it in Ramadan. Well, you're not supposed to do it, period. But in Ramadan, you should be try really hard to get the full rewards, right? 
But eating and drinking and all these things you can after, you know, Maghrib time. Now, there is a, a meal called the meal of suhoor. So you have two meals that are main in, in, in Ramadan. One that's iftar, right? Iftar meaning literally breaking your fast. So when you break your fast in, uh, you know, in Maghrib time, this is the iftar. Now there is a, a meal called the suhoor or the sahar, wajbat al-sahar. The Prophet ﷺ called it a sahar or a suhoor. And you eat that before you stop eating, before fajr time. And it should be something very light, but it's a very recommended sunnah. Very recommended the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, تَصَحَّرُوا فَإِنَّ فِي السُّحُورِ بَرَكَةً The Prophet ﷺ is telling us, do suhoor because in the, in the meal of suhoor there is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says that what's, what differentiates between Muslims fasting and other people's fasting is the meal, the big, the, one of the biggest differences, there are other differences, but one of the most obvious differences is the meal of suhoor, because nobody else has the meal of suhoor. Wake up before uh, Fajr time, like two hours or an hour before, eat some, uh, some whatever, whatever you want to do, uh, a boiled egg. With some cheese in it or like, you know, something very light, whatever, you know, that you consider light uh, and, you know, have some, you know, whatever, tea, some, uh, you know, oranges, whatever. Just do it because it's a recommended sunnah and there is a blessing. Allah blesses that meal. Right? Then pray fudge, stop eating and drinking and that's it. Now, uh, uh, there are certain things that break our fasting. Of course, number one, and it, this is the sinful one, to break it on purpose, to drink uh, uh, and eat on purpose without any medical reasons. Now, if you have a medical reason, something that's really urgent, you are allowed to eat and drink. If you cannot survive without eating and drinking, you are allowed to eat and drink, and you have to make it up later. I know some people are saying... Very min it's a minority of people saying, oh, well, I can pay money after uh, Ramadan and I don't have to make it up. That is very incorrect. That is very incorrect, by the way. This is very dangerous, my dear brothers and sisters, because I know people who actually did that. Like there's, there is, uh, I know some people who, uh, women, sisters who were pregnant in Ramadan. And when you're pregnant, of course, you cannot handle fasting, Right. Uh, so they stopped. Uh, they stopped fasting and they ate in Ramadan, which is very allowed. But then, when it, the time now, when they were done, uh, you know, when they uh, gave birth, and then actually also, if you if Ramadan comes when you're while you're breastfeeding, it is very if it's very dangerous if you cannot. Because so some people they again, some people might be able to survive. But if you know that you cannot survive while breastfeeding without eating and drinking while fasting, then you should stop and you should eat and drink. Your life is more important. The, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to value life and gives us permissions to postpone mandatory stuff up until we're in a normal state, then we can make it up. Something like fasting. So when you, for any medical reason, well, whether you're breastfeeding, whether you are uh, pregnant, whether you have a condition that you cannot fast, you are allowed to break your fast in Ramadan, eat and drink, no problem. And then later on, you can make up that fasting. Now, I know some sisters who said, some uh, e imams or some people told them, oh no, you can pay money after this was done. And you don't have to fast anymore. Just pay money for the poor, you know, 
pay money for the poor, just give up charity, and that charity will exempt you from fasting again. That is very incorrect. Anything that you can make up later, you have to make up later. Where people with terminal disease, people were, you know, who have terminal illness, who can never ever fast again, yeah, that type of people, they can pay charity to make up for their fasting. But people who can get into normal state, who can be normal, who are normal, but they just happened in, in this Ramadan, had a problem, they couldn't make it, but they are, they could fast later, you cannot pay money. This is a very incorrect opinion, and alhamdulillah, it's the minority opinion. You know, again, it makes sense. You know, who are you bribing to, you know, skip a mandatory, Allah gave you permission to do it later. Not to completely skip it and pay some money and be like, hey, yeah, I'm good. I paid the poor, so we're good. No. Again, that only happens if you have some sort of terminal illness and you can never fast ever again. Now, another thing in Ramadan, and, 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 and again, people do, and th these are big, big, big problems in Ramadan. Horrible things. Things not to do in Ramadan. When people... Eat so much when they're breaking their fast in iftar, during the iftar meal. The whole purpose of Ramadan is not about saving up, you know, your stomach for after iftar to eat as much as you want. One of the things in Ramadan is for us to feel how the poor and the hungry feel for 30 days. So for you overeating, overstuffing your stomach... During iftar, you're contradicting the sunnah. Number one, the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ told us how to actually eat on a normal basis, not just in Ramadan. You do, n you never eat up f uh, up to your fill. You never fill in your stomach with food or water or whatever drinks you put in. You know, you leave one third for yourself to breathe from your stomach. The Prophet ﷺ, This is a hadith. Third for eating for food. Third for water. Or whatever drinks, third for air. That means you can don't eat to your fill. Yet, unfortunately, a lot of people they eat so much that they can't even walk. They can't even pray. And we're gonna get to, like I said, we're gonna get to the tarawih prayer in a second. But they can't even pray because of how much they ate, and that's contradicting the sunnah on so many levels. Number two is. In, in, in many cultures, and especially in the Middle East, Ramadan becomes about TV shows. Because, you know, the, the TV show seasons, it's like, you know, um, the, the, the Christmas season here in the U.S. Uh, the Christmas season is all about, you know, uh, you, you have your special movie that comes out on Christmas, right? You know, whether it's Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, whatever you, you call it. Like these, you know, big temple movies, they come out, you know, during Christmas, Right. In, 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 in a lot of countries in, in, you know, in, in the Middle East, or, you know, they release their also temple TV shows during the month of Ramadan so you can watch it every single day for 30 days. And now it becomes about watching TV and media and movies and TV shows and it's not about worshipping anymore. That's a huge problem. A huge problem. Ramadan was never meant to be about TV shows and watching, you know, songs and, you know, all these things. No. Absolutely not. But again, 
it's one of the things that we're not supposed to do yet. Culturally, it became a thing in Ramadan. Also, what's a problem, also what is a problem with Ramadan in terms of culture-wise is it becomes, oh, let's visit, let's invite people over and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. When you invite a Muslim over for, for actually Ramadan to eat, this is a great thing. You actually great, get great rewards when you feed someone who's fasting in Ramadan. Great rewards. The problem is when it becomes a social gathering and you forget about praying, you pray late or you might not even pray, and it becomes, oh, let's go watch this TV show together. And that happens, unfortunately. And it becomes a more of a social gathering than it is uh, a month of worship. You can invite whoever you want, family members, friends who are fasting, have a great social gathering, but do not forget about Allah and the purpose of that month. Now we have to understand, you know, Ramadan is, the main purpose of Ramadan is to collect rewards, not to watch more TV, not to have fun with friends and family. Again, get together with friends and family in the spirit of Ramadan. It's beautiful. Wallahi, it's beautiful. But do not forget about Allah. This month is not made to socialize. You have the whole, the rest of the year to socialize, right? You have the whole year to socialize. You have the whole year to watch whatever the movie you want to watch. Don't do it in Ramadan. 30 days. Just control yourself. Again, train yourself for 30 days. That's all you have to do. 30 days. And you're going to get, inshallah, a tremendous amount of rewards. And you will train yourself to be a better person for the rest of the year. You know? Now, what is Taraweeh? Taraweeh is what we call the Qiyam prayer. What is the Qiyam prayer? Well, the Qiyam prayer is a prayer that a Muslim, it's not a mandatory prayer. It's a very optional. Uh, a Muslim does it, prays it, after praying Isha time. After you pray the night prayer, you can do Qiyam prayer and pray as much as you want, you know, on a regular day. Now, the tahajjud prayer, there's something also called tahajjud prayer. It's a part of qiyam. So the, 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 the tahajjud, the subcategory prayer of the qiyam is the type of prayer that you do when you go to sleep after Isha and then you wake up in the middle of the night, pray and then pray Fajr and then go about your day. That is called the tahajjud prayer. Now, what taraweeh eventually is, is a, a qiyam prayer. That's why the Prophet says, Man qama laylatul qadri. Coming from the Qiyam prayer. So if you did the Qiyam prayer, which is the prayer that you have to do after Isha, in Ramadan, it's called Taraweeh. So what happens is, and this is the tradition that we do, that uh, usually when you go to when when you finish the Isha prayer, you're supposed to go do it in the masjid. It's more again, the Prophet used to pray sometimes Qiyam uh, mostly actually in the masjid. Uh, and the scholars, the majority of the scholars, they say you're supposed to do it in, in the masjid because it gives you more khushua. Khushua means you're more disciplined in the salah. When you're home and you just, you know, uh, when you stay home and you just, you know, ate and all these things, you might not be able to, you know, do it in a khushua. So the, 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 the consensus of the majority of the scholars, you should do taraweeh in the masjid, in the mosque. And what happened, and it has a beautiful spirit to it. So when you go to the mosque, and you know for sure, the only reason you can do it at home, if you know that you won't focus as much in the mosque as you as much as you can focus at home, which I find it really hard to, you know, believe. It doesn't make sense. 
when you pray in a mosque, it's very, very, you know, focus-based and it's very disciplined. And again, it gives you the spirit of Ramadan. So, but again, if you have, if, if you, again, if you are for any reason unable to pray in a mosque, you, if for any reason you're going to miss the prayer in the mosque, then pray it at home and take the rewards as well. So don't miss out on, on, on the Taraweeh prayers. It's a prayer that you do after uh, you finish the Isha prayer, the night prayer in the masjid. And then when you're done, you just go home. Simple as that. Right? Now, another thing is, there is Laylatul Qadr, the night of Qadr. What is the night of Qadr? It's an odd night in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. No one, and I say no one, knows which night is that night. Specifically, that one night, we do not know. Because there's a big misconception. You know, uh, again, some Muslim uh, 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 communities believe that it's the night of the 27th. There's no proof of that. It's that simple. There is no proof that it is when the Prophet ﷺ told us about the night of Qadr, he said it's an odd night in the last 10 nights. What's the problem of praying all the 10 nights? The Taraweeh, again, the, the night meaning you have to pray the Taraweeh of that night. That's how you get the blessings of the night, right? So the Taraweeh prayer, right? Uh, when you pray at least, at least the last 10 nights fully, you don't, it doesn't have to be only odd nights. If you play full, fully the last 10 nights, you are basically uh, eliminating the risk of your missing out on praying on that night. So when the Prophet says it's an odd night in the last 10 nights, just pray the last 10 nights to make sure that you absolutely pray that night. And the blessings of praying Taraweeh on that night is incredible. One of them is that usually when we commit sins, minor sins at least, when you seek forgiveness, when you repent to Him, Allah forgives them. But they they are never uh, erased from your book. They are forgiven. Do not worry. They are forgiven completely. And it's not like Allah is going to change His mind. Allah does not do that. But the catch is, on the day of judgment, Allah will tell you, remember these sins that you made? So there will be some sort of embarrassment and shyness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will be scared, even though Allah is, has forgiven those sins. But when you make the dua of the night of the Qadr, you say in that dua, Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anni. Oh Allah, you have the ability of forgiveness. But here's the catch. There is Afu and Ghafur. These are two names of Allah. Afu and Ghafur. Technically, they mean the same. Allah who forgives and Ghafur, the one who uh, forgives the sins as well. But the difference is when you say Afu, it means the one who forgives and erases the sin. Forgives is the one who forgives but does not erase the sin. Again, that doesn't mean that you will be punished for it. It just means it's going to be a harder time on you when you talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah will remind you of these sins. But when you say, Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anni, O Allah, you are the one who can forgive and erases my sin. So please forgive me and erase my sins. Now again, you have 10 nights. Pray all of them at least. Again, I will recommend you should pray all of the nights of Ramadan, the Taraweeh prayers. 
But please make sure you catch that night of Qadr. Make sure you do that. Again, it's a beautiful month. It's a month of collecting an incredible amount of good deeds. Do not miss out on it, my dear brothers and sisters. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala support us and make us able to fast every Ramadan and give us the physical and the mental ability to be able to fast Ramadan. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.